You know, the Apostle Peter has always been one of my, my favorite characters in, in the Bible. Um, he's just he's an interesting guy. You know, one minute he inspires you, the next minute he seems to, to disappoint you. Um, his, his roller coaster uh, walk with, with Christ is, I can relate to it because I, I don't always get things right. Uh, for example, you, you start his journey, you meet him, and he's, uh, he's doing his job. He's fishing with his brother. And Jesus walks by, remember the story? And, and Jesus says, come and follow me. And, and Peter does a pretty radical thing. Sometimes we dream about just dropping everything and, and going off on an adventure. But that's exactly what Peter does. He leaves his boat, his net, his catch of the day behind, and he, and he follows Jesus. A little bit farther along as we follow journeys, the journey of, of Peter with Jesus, a little bit farther along, Jesus asks him a question. And it's a test. And, and, and Peter passes it with flying colors. Jesus asks him, who do you say that I am? Remember Peter's answer? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So he's up at this point. But a little bit farther down his journey, uh, he, he, he screws up. He fails. Jesus is again teaching his disciples. And it's another test. And, and, and Jesus says, at some point in the future, in your future, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die and I'll be raised on the third day. And Peter doesn't like what he's hearing. He pulls Jesus aside. He rebukes Jesus and says, may this never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Peter is a very impulsive guy, even protective and a strong defender of Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is arrested, remember what happens? Peter pulls out a sword and slices off the ear of one of the crowd. And despite his, his bold statements that he will never deny or abandon Jesus, when it comes to Jesus' crucifixion on the cross, he denies Jesus and runs away. And then we come to the resurrection. Because with God, there are, there are always second chances. And Peter runs to the tomb. He finds it empty. Jesus appears to the disciples. And then again here in John 21, Jesus appears to Peter again while he's fishing, kind of coming full circle. And Jesus restores Peter and tells him three times, if you love me, show your love for me by feeding my sheep. Take care of my followers. Teach them. Disciple them to do what I've called them to do and become the people I've called them to become. And from that point on, uh, Peter's a changed man. We go into the book of Acts as we follow his story, and he's bold. He preaches fearlessly, even so far as to go into prison for preaching. He does not deny Jesus again. He performs miracles. Many come to faith in Jesus through his teaching, and he's a leader in the early church. Because he was changed and transformed through his encounter with Jesus, people are changed. The church has changed and the world has changed. I want to be like Peter, don't you? In this past January, we looked at our church's priorities, the four things that we feel are most important for us to, to do and to be about as a church. And um, we said we are to be about worship. We are to have a wholehearted response to all that God has done for us in Christ and who he is. We said we are called to serve, to be compelled by God's love, to go out and meet the needs of the people around us. We said we are to evangelize, to, to share our faith, to invite others to a relationship with Jesus. And we said we are to disciple, to follow Jesus on a life-changing journey with others. 
Now, to be the church that God has called us to be, the people that God has called us to be, we, we have to emphasize and focus on, on all of them. We are to do them well. Our worship is to be sincere, passionate, responding to God's character and works. Our service in the community is to focus on real needs and to involve a personal touch, not just a check, but our time and our presence. We are to share the good news of Jesus and prayerfully urge others to, to follow him as well. But this morning, I'd like us to think about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, I think if you ask Peter, what would I like to be known as? I think he would say, I want to be known as a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, Dallas Willard, who's a great theologian who died in the last year, uh, wrote many great books. But one of the things he said has always kind of grabbed my attention and caused me to think about it is he said that the, the main task of the church is to make disciples. Now, do you agree with that? Some might say, no, 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 that's, that's important. But the most important thing is to, you know, to share your faith and, and to have converts. Um, or some would say it's, it's to share you know, the love of Christ through our actions and serve. Or some might say it begins with worship. We have to begin with worship because that's what we're going to be doing. And, you know, so but obviously they all must be priorities. And, and we, we don't need to set some sort of false you know, choice, dichotomy. They, they all are important. All must be done intentionally and done well. But why would Dallas Willard say that making disciples is the main task of the church? Well, think about the people you know in your life who has impacted you the greatest, in the greatest way spiritually. What was it about them that made such a difference in your life? For me, when I think back, there's been many people, but when I think back, the common denominator in the people who have influenced me the most powerfully spiritually have been people who deeply, deeply love Jesus Christ. People who talk about Jesus like, like a best friend. Persons whose conversation include regular references to, to Christ and to their faith. And it doesn't come off as forced or corny or awkward or manipulative. People who have joy and peace. People who have a deep love for Jesus Christ. They're, they're, they're alive. They resonate with Christ within them. Like my grandmother uh, Hardman. She was... 33 years old when she got married. She had five kids after that. She was quiet, very reserved, small, about 4'10", 85 pounds. At family gatherings, she would kind of, you wouldn't know she's in the room sometimes because she was so quiet. But, but when you would talk with her or you would listen in on her conversation, her, 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 her conversation was peppered with, with references and testimonies about God and His goodness and His love and her and Jesus Christ, and I love to listen to her pray. Or, or like Chuck Anderson, a covenant pastor that had a big impact upon me through high school and, and, and college. A very different personality from my grandmother. Very outgoing, kind of life of the party. Um, always constantly teasing with a joke to make you feel comfortable. Knew how to work a room. And yet his eyes would tear up when he would talk about his, his journey with Jesus. And he would share often about what God was teaching him. The people who have the biggest spiritual impact and influence are those who have the closest connections with Jesus. People are drawn to Jesus in them. And so if we want to make the biggest difference in the world, it must come through drawing closer to Jesus 
and our, our service and our love and our worship and our sharing of faith must come as an outflow of drawing close to Jesus Christ. Jesus put it this way in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's follow the progression. As we follow Jesus, as we journey with him, we become more like him. And our priorities change. And our use of our time or our money or our talents, our abilities change, as do our motivations. And our worship and our evangelism and our, and our service, it all changes. It becomes more effective, more fruitful. Because we're operating out of Jesus working within us, loving us, working through us, his power within our hearts and minds. That's what it means to be a disciple. But what does it look like, practically speaking? We're trying something a little bit different this morning. In your bulletin, there's an insert. Uh, it's, um, take it out for a second. Take a look at it. And at the top, it says, Disciple. A life-changing journey in Christ with others. And you'll find there, there are four questions listed under the title. And and the idea is that we want to use these four questions to to guide ourselves as individuals and as a group, as a church body, to, 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 to follow Christ in a way that our lives are changed and transformed increasingly uh, into the likeness of Jesus. Now, if you're like me, I don't like formulas. I, I, I kind of like a little bit more flow or natural flow, but, but if you're like me also, you know that for myself, if I'm not intentional, if there isn't a little bit of structure, a little bit of accountability, a little bit of, you know, hey, I'm, you know, a little bit of that in place, that I just probably won't end up doing it. And so we want to use these questions to be intentional to spur each other on in our walk with Jesus Christ. At the bottom of the handout are these verses from Ephesians 4. Where Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So God's intention for us as Christians is to grow, not just as individuals, but to grow together as the body of Christ. The idea that we are better together, that we that we mature faster and quicker together as we follow Jesus Christ, that we are to speak the truth in love to each other. So let's take a look at these questions and how God can use them to grow us as disciples. The first question is, how have you seen the Lord at work this week in your life? This is a great place to begin because, I mean, all of us, when we, if you look around, God is constantly at work in our world. Constantly at work in our lives. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. We have the, the, the seasons, uh, a cycle of the year. We see His beauty and power in creation. He provides us with food and shelter and people who love us. We experience His grace and blessings every day and every week. He works through people to encourage us. He brings to mind the right verse or thought at the right, just the right moment. And why is this question so important because it tunes us into God and it grows and sharpens our vision for him and of him. You know, it was an interesting observation that, that the psychologists have made about sight and about focus. Um, the more we think about them, something, the more we see it around us. So, for example, when I go to buy a car, I, I do research. 
before I buy a car, I'll do research and I'll, I'll kind of narrow it down to a make and a model, kind of a year and some of the features I want. And then I'll move out and I'll, I'll, I'll find something and buy it. For example, a couple years ago, we bought a Honda Pilot. Um, and I'd never really paid attention to Honda Pilots before then. But after I bought it, I began to notice them all over the place. Have you ever had that experience? We tend to see what we focus our thoughts on. And no place is that more true than our spiritual lives. Asking the question, where have you seen God at work in your life this past week, helps us to focus on God and His work, and it sharpens and grows our vision for Him and of Him. The second question is, how has God spoken to you through His Word this week? You know, I'm going to sound old saying this, but, but our culture is changing so quickly, you know. Fifteen years ago, I would go off for a week for a conference, and I didn't have a cell phone, you know. I, so it was difficult to communicate. But now we have immediate access to emails. We can text whenever we want. We can go online for social media, um, and we can go you know, on the Internet and do whatever we want, whenever we want, just about. We have constant, instant access at the touch of a finger and the lighting up of a screen. There are benefits to this technology, of course, this access. But the downside, the danger, is that we are constantly bombarded by messages. You know, I heard something on the radio the other day uh, that spoke about this. There's a term that's starting to get used by social observers, um, zombies. You know, people are so attached to their phones that they're like zombies, walking around, detached from the world around them. Getting input from all these voices online, but, but not interacting with living, breathing people. There's a danger in that spiritually. Where does the major input for your life come from? What voices are we listening to? The Apostle John says in First John, or excuse me, Third John 1.4, I have no greater joy than this than to hear of my children walking in the truth. Now, the Bible describes our journey with Christ as a walk. People walk in the darkness, or people walk in the light. People walk in the truth. People who go through life having no understanding about God, or about why we're here, etc., described as walking in the darkness. But people who have understanding of God, understanding about our purpose and God's will, described as walking in the light. Certainly, as disciples of Christ, we are to walk with understanding, to walk in the truth. And understanding comes from hearing the Word of God and from being in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how has God spoken to you through His Word this week? To be a disciple means to be a learner, and to be a learner begins with being a listener. The third question is, in what ways is Jesus calling you to serve or to share your faith with others? People who love Jesus deeply serve sacrificially. That's the way love works. If we love Jesus deeply, we live a life of service and sacrifice. As we go deeper in Christ, we naturally go further in mission. It's an outflow of that relationship. 
And if we think we're going deeper, but we're not going further, then we're fooling ourselves. We're not going deeper, we're simply turning inward. There was a song by Amy Grant back in the 80s uh, called Fat Little Baby. Maybe some of you remember that song. It's a catchy tune, but the lyrics are biting and convicting. She sings, I know a man, maybe you know him too. You never can tell, he might even be you. He knelt at the altar, and that was the end. He's saved, and that's all that matters to him. His spiritual tummy, it can't take too much. One day a week, he gets a spiritual lunch. On Sunday, he puts on his spiritual best, and he gives his language a spiritual rest. He's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood, but his daily devotions are stuck in the mud. He's just a a fat little baby. The point is, the song is just echoing a theme of Scripture where Paul says that we are to no longer be infants in our faith. We are to grow and mature into the person that God has called us to be. So if what we do on Sunday morning doesn't lead to transformation or change in our lives the rest of the week, then we're missing the point. When we leave the doors after worship, we are entering the mission field. So we need to ask ourselves, how and where is Jesus calling me to serve? And with whom does he want me to share my faith? A week or so ago, I was in a conversation and, um, and somebody shared how one of the things that struck them when they came to First Covenant a number of years ago uh, was a theme that ran through a sermon series preached by Dan Piatzik. And the theme was this. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. The Apostle James says the same thing where he says, faith without works is dead. If we want to be transformed, as we follow Jesus, we, we must ask the question intentionally, in what ways is God calling me to serve or share my faith with others? And finally, the fourth question is how is Jesus inviting you to trust him more? In what area of your life? Jesus is calling us to trust him more, to grow in our dependence upon him. And this is a tough question because it requires introspection. And when we look inside and ask that question, we may not like what we see, the answer we find, and what it might ask us to do. I mean, when you follow the story of Peter and the disciples, you see this common theme, a call to trust, to follow, to give up your life, to to give it all to Jesus, to give more and more of one's life to Jesus, to grow in dependency. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so a disciple is somebody who is fully committed to obeying Christ increasingly in every area of his or her life. Jesus is not just a part of the life. He is their life. And so I've asked myself this question this past week. How is Jesus inviting me to trust him more? In what area? And and the answer I've come up with is I think it is with my family and close friends. You know, I want so much for all of my family and all of my close friends to know and to love Jesus and to trust Him and to follow Him, but not all of them are. And I'm realizing that ultimately I've got to trust them to God, to have faith that God loves them more than than I do, that He understands them better than I do, that He's at work in their lives, and I need to continue to pray and and to hope and to love them and to follow Jesus, to trust God with them. And that can be hard to do because 
I don't always see movement in their lives towards Jesus, but Jesus doesn't call me to trust him with most of my life, some of the time, but all of my life, all of the time. So how about you? In what areas is God, is Jesus calling you to trust him more? You know, ultimately a church, when it's all said and done, will be evaluated by its disciples. If we produce people who are increasingly growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ, increasingly growing in generosity and service and compassion and forgiveness, growing in their knowledge of Christ, growing in their heart for the Lord, then, then we will have succeeded as a church. But if we as Christ's disciples are passive, self-focused, not moving in the direction of radical obedience, then our church is not doing what God calls us to do. And so this morning in our children and youth areas, these four questions were distributed. A little bit different rephrasing, but the meaning is, is the same. And our challenge is that as families, as individuals, in our life groups, our children and youth ministries, our men's and women's, men's and women's ministries, our, our board meetings, our ministry teams, that we ask these questions of ourselves, not as a way to make each other feel guilty, but to, to spur each other on, to, to grow into the joy and the peace that comes from a, a life fully committed to Christ. A life that is changed and then it is used to change and transform the world and the people around it. I want to close with a story about a life of radical obedience. Judy Anderson um, has worked in Africa for years and she grew up as the, the daughter of, of covenant missionaries in the Congo. And when she was a little girl, there was a celebration, a celebration of the 100th anniversary of, of covenant missionaries going to the Congo. It was an all-day event, started at sunrise, going all the way till sunset. There was food and music and speeches and parties, a great time of celebration. At the end of the day, when it was just getting dark and time for everybody to go home, a very old man asked if he could come forward and say something to the crowd. When he came up, he said, there's something I know that nobody else knows, and I'm soon going to die. And if I don't tell you, then I will take this to the grave with me. A hundred years ago, when the missionaries first came to our people, we had never heard of their God or their book or seen anybody who looked like them. And our people did not know whether to believe what they had to say or not. So our leaders got together and they conspired to come up with a test to find out the credibility of these newcomers and their message. And the test was that they would poison one of them and see how everybody reacted. And so one day a little girl got sick her parents did everything they could. She got sicker and sicker and she died. And a few weeks later, a husband in another family got sick. He got sicker and sicker and then he died. And then the wife of a third couple and another child, until this old man explained how they all died. And his people watched how they faced death, how they died and decided the message must be true. It was then, the old man said, that they decided to follow Jesus. Now, when I hear that story, I try to put myself in their place. I would have been tempted to come home. If my, my wife, my daughter, my sons, my, my good friends and co-workers had begun to die one by one, I probably would have left. But these disciples sold out for Jesus Christ enough that they trusted Jesus enough to risk their lives and enough to do it even if nobody found out about it for a hundred years. The world needs disciples like that. 
the swine needs disciples like that. Sold out, transformed people who loved Jesus deeply and who out of the overflow intimacy of that relationship serve others, worship wholeheartedly, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's join together on a life-changing journey with Jesus and each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you are God who is in the change business. That you see us as we are, but you also see us as we can be. And so, Father, we thank you for your call upon our lives to, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. Help us to learn from the story of Peter and so many others in Scripture. And so many people who have impacted us and inspired us through the years. Lord, help us to be changed more and more into the likeness of Jesus so that we can be used of you to bring about transformation in the lives of others and in our world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.